In this episode, we talk LX600 reviews, the Toyota Sequoia, and more rumors of a second generation LFA. This week on the Lexus Enthusiast Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Kevin Watts. I'm the founder of Lexus Enthusiast. And joining me is Michael Pannone, the executive editor of the site. How are you doing, Mike? I'm good. I'm a little bit cold, but I'm good. How about you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I guess I can't really complain about that, considering that I live far, far south of you. Yes, we have approximately <laughs> seven feet of snow along our driveway. Um, oh, I have zero, so yeah, I'll shut so, up now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. So it's it's been a it's been a little while since we recorded. It has. There's been a good bit of news. Yeah, both of us uh, knee deep in um, home renovations. Yep. Not really having a lot of extra time, but uh, the show must go on. The show must go on. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> and like you said, I mean, there is a lot to talk about. So much, I don't know if we'll get to it all today. But I feel like we got to start off with the new LX. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah, reviews have come in. Unfortunately, you know, uh, we can talk about it, but I was unable to attend the uh, LX press launch due to mm -hmm. the problems uh, with crossing the U.S.-Canada border with COVID and everything. You know, we did have to rely on everybody else's take on the vehicle. What was your feeling about what we read? I guess I always sort of like preface some of these discussions with saying that everyone knows that I'm a Land Cruiser fanboy at heart. It's always kind of been my favorite vehicle. So I've always had a lot of love for the LX by association. So I think 13, 14 years since having a new one, the expectations can get pretty high, which this is not an unfamiliar position for Lexus. They've right. done this with other models. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, you know, I think that everybody was excited and, you know, the new GAF platform and, you know, seeing some of the execution in the Tundra, I think everybody was really, really excited. Yeah. And I'm in a precarious position where it's like, I think they delivered exactly probably what I expected, but also sort of feels like it could have been more, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, what about you? I have to agree with you like 100%. I mean, we saw this pattern with the LS so long between generations and we ended up with something that meets today's bar for sure. But mm -hmm. the expectation was so high, particularly, you know, the way that they've been framing things, you know, the NX being the first model of this new generation of Lexus and the LX being the second. You know, the NX to me was such a home run. Mm -hmm. The reviews were lukewarm, but you could tell that this is a huge jump forward for Lexus. And I was maybe expecting maybe the same thing with the LX that there would be so much excitement around everything about it that the reviews, I mean, let's be fair. I mean, Lexus vehicles do not review well. Yep. We've talked about that. Yeah. So true. It's just the way that it is. I, I just think with Lexus vehicles, there's a, a level of nuance that gets lost in these press launches mm -hmm. where people are driving the car for whatever, six hours or, and yeah. then trying to pull together a review, you know, they're really by the numbers. Right. But I just felt like there there needed to be a little bit more. And then as we'll get into, I mean, the LX and, and, and these reviews were completely overshadowed by the new Sequoia. Yeah. And yeah. That, that was disappointing as well. But 
from what everybody's saying, it's, you know, the drive is relatively similar, but a little more locked in. The interior is beautiful, as we expected, mm-hmm. and people could take or leave the exterior. And <laughs> I mean, that's just the way that it is. If you don't like yeah. the exterior, you just don't. Lexus design is a love it or hate right. it. Uh, I guess I was just expecting a little bit more from the reviews and it just didn't come. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other things too that kind of surprised me and you touched on the Sequoia, but I think if the LX had not been bookended like on the front end by the Tundra and on the back end by the Sequoia, Mm -hmm. it might've been a little bit more like, wow. Yeah. Agreed. Yes. (laughs) But you know, we, we can talk more about it and I'm sure we will, but the LX is a global product and the U S is not the biggest market for it. So what we get here, well, the LX is still good in its own right. I mean, what we get here is essentially a product that was really made for other markets, but it's okay enough to sell here. Yeah. But when you look at the Tundra and the Sequoia and you look at the execution and the trim levels and the options and the powertrains, it's like, it's clear that those products are what the North American market wants. So yeah. I'm not 100% surprised that that kind of came out of a lot of the reviews. Yeah. Another thing that surprised me was that they didn't announce off-road model that Japan has. Yeah, I think Japan gets it and maybe a couple other markets as well. Mm-hmm. But the base model with like the 18-inch wheels and the triple lockers and stuff like that, there were some rumors that with the Land Cruiser going away, that model might come to North America to sort of like take the place of the Land Cruiser. But when we look at it and you kind of break down some of the option packages, I think the LX still starts at about 89,000 like the old one did. Yeah. But it's a little bit like stripped out and and like we talk about how sometimes lexus likes to stagger out model reveals versus like putting it all in the same basket up front to make as big of a splash as possible and i i have to hope that there's more coming for the lx i have to say though i have never read a car review for any model that has talked about the package options more than the lx i Mm-hmm. I think that that was a really sore point with this. I mean, they are supply constrained. There's there's a limit to what they can bundle with these packages as is right now because of uh, microchip shortages and the whatnot. But like, there's a lot missing. There's no panoramic roof. Captain seats are only on the ultra luxury, I think. Is that right? Yep. Yep. No basic like second row captain seats. Yeah. I mean, even in the luxury package, that's mm-hmm. that's difficult. I mean, they are... 100% going to sell all of them that come to the right. America. Like there's, <laughs> right. there's, there's no question about that. And you know, maybe that's part of the thinking, but, but then like you said, it, this is not a primary uh, North American product. The LX in general, there's no panoramic sunroof. Hmm. There are no front massaging seats, which is sort of crazy. And I mean, you remember when I brought the LS on that road trip, yeah. I was like, the best part of this car is the front massaging <laughs> seats. No massaging seats and no second row captain's chairs. And the other one too is that the digital rearview mirror is only available on the ultra luxury model. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like, my mom just bought a new Venza that was 44K. That has a digital rearview mirror. Right. <laughs> like, and so, like, this is where, you know, rumors and what people say gets twisted, but. You know, years ago, like it was really like five years ago when we started hearing a lot about LX development, we started hearing about like Bentley Bentayga fighter and like ultra luxury and stuff like that. Well, you can get a panoramic moonroof and captain's chairs and a digital review mirror on a Highlander. Yeah. And like, I hate to say it, but like, does that make a luxury car? No. 
But, you know, I will say more and more people, especially that I know who are shopping in that market are like, oh, yeah, like the panoramic roof and they want the captain's chairs because it feels like you can stretch out. And, you know, everybody expects front massaging seats on a vehicle that costs 90 plus thousand dollars no way around it. Yeah. So um, and I think like I did see that, you know, to your point, a lot of comments were made about packaging. I guess Lexus USA did say a couple different times that they might remedy some of those things in the future and they Mm -hmm. were aware that they were missing. But, you know, come on, like, that's like table stakes right now. Right. It really is. Not to harp on this point, but I just feel like there's a, a angle that's missing from the coverage that the LX has been getting. And there's just not a lot of contextualization. There's just not a lot of, I guess what I'm trying to say, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we should have been there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, actually, I think I know what you mean. Like, this point comes up sometimes around reviews of Lexus vehicles, but did anybody in the press account for the fact that this car is going to run for 275,000 miles, right. you know, with yeah. no failure and like people buy LXs as grandparents and hand them down to their kids and then hand them down to their grandkids and they still run like new when they have that much mileage on them? No. No. <laughs> and like that is a that is a core buyer for the LX. It that literally is 100% is. it. And yeah. I think that, you know, as enthusiasts, you know, there's a different perspective and and what you're saying is absolutely 100% true. The other thing, and you just touched on it, is like the Sequoia, this, the brand new 2023 Sequoia yeah. is mind blowing. This is the vehicle for a lot of people. Yeah, I uh, it, it feels like maybe dropping the LX like pricing and reviews just before the Sequoia reveal was intentional. And I guess I probably understand that because if they had come out sort of like concurrently or people were writing their LX reviews while looking at the Sequoia coming out, I think it would have been a ugly. rougher time. Yeah. For the it would have been ugly. So yeah. yeah, it would have been pretty bad. And I mean, there's a lot with the Sequoia. and But the main thing that I think is that it gets the, the what do they call it? The the turbo, what is, what is it? iForce Max, yeah. the twin turbo V6 hybrid powertrain. Yeah, yeah, which is like twin turbo, 3.4 liter V6 hybrid, 437 horsepower, 583 pound feet of torque. Mm-hmm. And yeah. about 20 miles to the gallon, 21 miles to the yeah. gallon. And yeah. that powertrain is not available on the LX, despite sharing right. the same platform. Right. <sighs> And I'm also going to mention that the Sequoia has a panoramic roof, rear seat captain's chairs, and additional rear view here. Uh, I mean, you, I joke, but I'm serious. Are Are you surprised that they didn't take the Sequoia and the LX and make them twins? I guess here's the thing. It, with TNGA, they are. Like, they're all mm-hmm. twins. Like, the Land Cruiser, the Tundra, the Sequoia, and the LX, like, they all sort of... They're more related now than they've ever been. And I read this interesting thing where one of the product managers was basically like, yeah, the Sequoia pretty much is a Land Cruiser. Like they're built on the same platform. It's, you know, got a lot of the same hardware. Is it as good as a Land Cruiser in that like 10 tenths off-roading scenario? No, but like, you know, you could say the Tundra is essentially a Land Cruiser. The Sequoia is essentially a Land Cruiser. And look, there's other things that sort of like go into that, uh, especially with the 300 series Land Cruiser that we just missed out on. A lot of it is like interior quality and luxury. And no, I don't expect the Sequoia and the Tundra to have the same interior quality and luxury. But first and foremost, what's always made a Land Cruiser is durability and capability. And when they're all built on the same platform, it's sort of like Land Cruiser at the core, in right. my opinion. Yeah. So. 
But I, it would have been nice if they'd considered using the larger Tundra Sequoia specific platform for the LX. But then like I go back to it again and it's like the biggest market actually for the LX is the Middle East where, you know, these vehicles mm-hmm. are taken off road and put in extremely punishing conditions every day in and out. And maybe in that instance, it does just make sense to keep it as the twin to the Land Cruiser. But the U.S. market has to sort of pay the price by not having a fully competitive full size SUV that kind of checks all the boxes which has always been the case with the LX. I do think that there's room in the Lexus lineup for them to simply remove the front end of the Sequoia and put a Lexus badge on it. I guess the hard thing is how much would that vehicle cost? Man, I just feel like they have an opportunity with this to really tap into that Tahoe, Yukon, Escalade. Mm -hmm. Like that's what this vehicle is going up against is those models. Yeah. And it just feels like this could be the Toyota Lexus version of that. Yeah. But they are, as you said, like they're all built on the same platform, but there's just, and I mean, you can't really get too caught up in the looks of it because the new Sequoia is beautiful. I was about to say, but but one more thing I got to mention, the Sequoia looks so good. <laughs> I mean, it looks really good. Yeah, it does. And I, I, I don't want to say that the LX, but in comparison, it's just not, it's not a fair fight. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's, the Sequoia has this, it's much more revolutionary yeah. as opposed to the evolutionary way that the LX has kind of come up and that this uh, fourth generation LX is, is you know, yeah. very similar in a lot of ways to the, to the previous model in its looks. So, I mean, at this, you know, I have to do, I have to preface every, all of this by saying that when I say that Lexus should have their own Sequoia, I'm like, <laughs> I wish they had a a full-size SUV that looked as good as the Sequoia because it is really something else. I'll be interested to see the Sequoia in person because having seen the LX in person at Petit Le Mans, Atlanta, I was really surprised at how good and how different it did actually look. It doesn't come off that well in pictures, Mm -hmm. but it has more of a... It doesn't look like a Range Rover, but it has a Range Rover-ish appeal of being both sporty and sort of rugged looking. Right. The one, so the one I also saw in person was the F-Sport, which didn't have the horizontal grill, which I absolutely hate. Just my opinion, but if the LX had come with like an, a mesh grill like the NX and, you know, maybe another like wheel option or two, and also like probably if it came with the hybrid powertrain, we would be sitting here being like, yeah, I don't know. I still like the LX. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of it is that. I also have to say that I have for so long loved the GM full-size lineup. Mm-hmm. Like Tahoe's and Yukon's. Escalade, not so much, but I've loved those vehicles. So the way that the yeah. Sequoia resembles those vehicles is really kind of tapping into that for sure. me. But I haven't seen the LX in person. I don't know what it looks like in person. And you do raise a good point that photography doesn't always capture the vehicle's presence. And from yeah. what you're saying, the new LX has a presence that was maybe missing from the previous generation. Yeah, yeah I would say so. It's it's re- it is really nice in person. But the it was discussed a bit back and forth on the forum too, which was the point of why doesn't Lexus just make RLX like the Lexus version of the Sequoia? <laughs> and what it I think comes down to is sort of Lexus and Toyota both actually love to be able to kind of do something that's good enough, but not always amazing. And I think that for this market, the LX is in that position. 
you know, when they develop a vehicle like that, they go and they look at the markets where it sells the most and they talk to the customers and they ask what they want in the next version and how and like consider how to evolve it. So for the rest of the world, just use it every day off road. Like those are the most important things to them. So they take the Land Cruiser as the base and they Lexus affy it and they create the LX. There's some problems with that for the North American market. Really, not that many people here are going off road all the time, so it doesn't matter that much. Like part of the reason that they always keep the quote unquote magic wheelbase is because it is the perfect formula to be off road. And so if we keep the same wheelbase, it becomes hard to grow the LX and make it bigger. So like in this market, would it honestly make more sense to to base the LX on the Sequoia? Yeah, it actually would. And it would they would probably sell three or four times as many of them. But would that would re-engineering a Sequoia just to call it an LX in the North American market outweigh like the profit and the sales volume of just creating the LX that everybody else wants and sending it here as being good enough? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, you know, you're you're raising a really good point because if somebody wants the Sequoia, well then they just buy a capstone Sequoia. If they want a mm-hmm. Lexus, you know, if they want a Lexus Sequoia, they can just get the capstone trim level and call it a day. You really have to say, like, is it better to have the LX as it is plus the Sequoia or is it better to have the Sequoia and a vehicle that's identical to it? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do get it. And it does get a little crowded if you consider that, you know, we've talked about this uh, upcoming TX three row crossover from Lexus. Right. Not really sure exactly when it's coming out, but it's definitely in the cards. Is there room in the small Lexus lineup for a three-row crossover, a three-row SUV, and another three-row SUV, and another three-row SUV? Like, I can't imagine them doing that. So it's kind of, it is what it is. And that's just the way that it's going to be. And all this might change once we start seeing LXs on the road. And once the TX comes out, and it'll depend on what the TX looks like. Like, is it going to be more of a crossover? Is it going to be a little bit more masculine? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But what we've heard about the TX is that allegedly it has more interior room and space than the like Yukon and the Escalade. So, you know, it should. Big. Yeah, it's going to be big. Yeah. And it, I don't know how big it'll be. Uh, it's easier to engineer that much space into a unibody platform than the, the downside, quote unquote, becomes like how you style it and what it looks like and how tough it looks and how off road capable it is. But maybe across the three being GX and LX and TX, you know, you sort of have like, how do you want want your three row yeah (laughs) you want it over easy you want it hard boiled (laughs) or you you want it scrambled you know like that is a lot of options though you know and especially if the gx becomes a little bit more off-road centric as we're hearing the lx kind of stays the course and then the tx is like kind of swoops in to take up the middle ground they probably have a winning formula in that just might take a minute for us to see it is there really room for four lexus three row crossovers i don't i don't think so yeah and there's a lot that can be done with with this tx and one of the interesting things that just to move in another direction is with the tx we know about it primarily like officially from the trademarks that were filed so we know that lexus is looking to release this tx like we've heard about it for years Mm -hmm. but now we know that they're getting close to actually coming out with it and one of the powertrains that was going to be available for that is this 500h which is a gas electric hybrid and something else that happened just this week was that uh from the japanese magazine best car is that the rx is also going to get that uh, engine so now we're getting into higher output powertrains for the rx and this new tx and i mean that's pretty exciting it is 
I'll be interested to see how 500H performs in the real world. Mm-hmm. It seems like based on Lexus' previous use of like 450 and 500H, it should be somewhere in the mid 300 horsepower range, which is way more than a unibody Lexus SUV has ever had. So that part is right. exciting. Yeah. I-, I guess like just for me, I sit here and I think like you take the average family of like, you know, two kids and a dog and their gear and the parents and a cooler and like put it in a three row SUV that's going to probably weigh 4,800, 5,000 pounds. Uh, a four cylinder yeah a four cil a four cylinder at the core of that sounds a little bit tough to me but yeah i don't know i mean how they tune it plus electric motors plus uh turbos will help so i'm interested to see how it goes the first thing you think of when you hear 500h is you think of that v6 mm-hmm. hybrid that's in the lc and ls mm-hmm. and they're not bringing that over no too so i mean it is it's going to be a brand new powertrain yep what are the rumors around that I I don't know. There hasn't been a whole lot said about it. I think actually we were the first ones to start talking about what that combination would most likely be. Yeah. Just looking at the fact that, you know, you look at the twin turbo V6, the twin turbo V6 plus, you know, hybrid like we have in the Sequoia and the Tundra, it became pretty clear that the next gener- the next iteration rather of 500H would be a step down from that, which would be the new turbo four cylinder with electric motors. Right. It'll be interesting to see if it comes with like direct four, like the RZ, or if that's an electric only thing. I don't know. I'm assuming it's going to be somewhere like 330 to 360 horsepower. And I don't know, probably over, I would definitely assume over 400 pound feet of torque. So those numbers on paper are pretty healthy. You know, it's hard to disagree with that. What do you think that this twin turbo V6 uh, from the Tundra and Sequoia, what do you think its uh, numerical Lexus number would be? That's a really good question. You mean the one with the hybrid? Yeah, the, yeah, uh, the iForce. The number that was going around for a while, or for a while, was seven fifty H. And yeah, going back for a second to the LX discussion, and I promise I'll make it relevant. But um, <laughs> people, people were saying that potentially the reason that these Land Cruiser and the LX did not come out with hybrids like the Sequoia and the Tundra is because they may get a scaled up version of that powertrain, essentially with like lithium ion batteries instead of the nickel metal hydride. Yeah. So if in it, of course, I'm sure like an LX would command premium fuel. So if you think about putting premium fuel in that engine and then you think about the fact that they could get different batteries and like look people i'm really grasping at straws here there's no proof of this it has just been mentioned here and there pure speculation um Pure speculation at its finest. But it's possible that if that's the case, that powertrain really could be more like the 480, like 470, 480 horsepower. Yeah. Like we heard originally. And then whatever it was like, I think it said over 600 pound feet of torque was the rumor. So if that's the case, we will be back here being like, yeah, I want an LX. (laughs) Um, Forget forget the Sequoia. Right, right. What Sequoia? (laughs) So back to the question of what would that be called in the, like those rumors were the ones that were in conjunction with 750H. 750H seems really high. I don't know. I mean, way too high. Like six. Yeah. Like 650H. I would say say 650, 700 at the max. Yeah. I think so too. I don't, there's no way that it's going to be the, that 750H engine. It's, It's just not powerful enough. I guess it'll depend on timing, but it wouldn't surprise me if that shows up as essentially the core powertrain for the next LS. Mm. Forget about the LSA. Eh? <laughs> mm, right. 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 
Us and Lexus both. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> no, you have to leave that in, actually. Oh, oh, oh. oh my God. All right. Mm. So last but not least, LFA, I guess. Yet another hybrid electric discussion. Yeah. This week's rumor of a second generation LFA. Mm-hmm. Again, Best Car uh, reported that it's going to debut 2025 as a V8 twin turbo plug-in hybrid. And like, like I said in my post, it's uh, it's essentially like Voltron under a hood. Mm-hmm. So the numbers are crazy. We're talking like 937 horsepower, mm-hmm. which is almost double the original LFA. Right. It does line up though. I mean, remember when they were saying originally that, I guess it was Akio who said it, but you know, an LFA is like a car that happens like, what was it every 20 years? Like every generation should have an LFA or something yeah. like that. And I mean, the one thing that I thought was like, I just can't believe that they would consider releasing a new supercar without it being fully battery electric, considering their commitment to going full electric by 2030. But then I realized, you know, there is a lot of time between 2022 and 2030. Mm -hmm. And you can't just mothball everything until everything's uh, battery electric and then say, okay, everybody, now you should be interested in us again. So it does make sense. Also, I think that they had to find some application for the twin turbo V8 that they developed for the the LCF, which is not happening, but you don't develop an engine and then never use it. it. Yeah. Like, I mean, Toyota could do that, but that's not really in their character. Especially since the current URV8 dates back, or UZ, I guess. It, yeah. No, it is UR. It dates back to like 2000, yeah, 2006, 2007. Yeah. So it's so, really been that long since they actually developed a new V8. So they spent a lot of time. I mean, we know based on spy shots and stuff, but they spent a lot of time developing this engine. And I'm sure even if the use of it is going to be scaled back, they're wanting to find a way to use it. Well, the rumors were that the LCF and the LSF were just both too heavy. Mm-hmm. So taking the carbon fiber body of the LFA and putting this engine in it, you're not going to have those same weight issues. Add the twin turbo to a (laughs) plug-in hybrid, and you can see how if they really boost everything up, you're going to be able to get to almost a thousand horsepower. I mean, Mm -hmm. all of those technologies together. The batteries are going to be heavy. I mean, it'll have to be like, it'll have to definitely be an all new platform that can support batteries. I assume you're right. Like they'll probably use some of the same carbon fiber construction methods they used in the LFA to keep the other weight down. But like, I wouldn't expect it to be light, but you know, we were, what were we hearing? Like the rumors on that engine went from like 600 to like 640 horsepower. And that was purely that engine. Right. That's just gas. Yeah. So plus batteries. And then you're looking at with these new uh, plug-in hybrids from Toyota, Lexus, you know, you are looking at a range on pure battery electric. So in a way, you know, this is the perfect middle child between now and full electric in 2030. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting. You don't hear these numbers and you don't think about a new LFA without getting a little excited. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think a thousand horsepower in 2025, it should still be competitive. Yeah. yeah. There, you you kind of, you made this point before, but there's even a lot of time between 2025 and 2030. So yeah. 
I think that this is their last hurrah and their last way. This is probably going to be like the last, it'll probably will be the last Lexus great performance car with an internal combustion engine. Oh, So they built the V8. It exists somewhere. You know, that gives them like a five year run to produce and sell that car before their commitment to being electric kicks in. One of the things you texted me was, well, do you think it'll be like a limited run or do you think they'll just sell it for a specific amount of time and damn the numbers? Mm -hmm. I really liked how they were limited. I liked how the LFA were limited, but I don't think it worked out in the end. Yeah. I think it created a sense like it wasn't selling. Right. And I don't think that Lexus wants to repeat that. I think it'll come down to price because if I recall correctly, the LFA being limited to 500 units became a function of how much it cost after all was said and done with carbon fiber and everything else. Yeah. So if by some stroke of luck, they're able to engineer this new car and let's say it costs between 175 and $250,000, I'm not saying that's not a lot of money because it is. No, yeah, but but it's not. But there's a lot of cars, right? There's a lot of cars in that price range now, and it's no longer like cost prohibitive for as many people as $375,000. So it might be a legitimate part of the lineup and not just a limited run thing i have to think that it can't be the same amount it just can't i agree it has to be it has to i would say has to max out at like 250 has to Mm -hmm. and i don't want to see any owner interviews i don't want to see any of that i just want them to put it into their lineup like like anybody could buy it off the street yeah like (laughs) yeah i just want to see them put it in the lineup like the the amg gt you know like it's yeah that's just in the lineup I don't see why Lexus should try to be novel with this. I think it's okay to just do it the normal way and Mm -hmm. get more of them on the road and it becomes a halo vehicle. Yeah, that's very true. It becomes an actual vehicle that people see and want. And then the practicality in me in the back of my head is like, will it have the 150,000 mile powertrain warranty that Toyota offers with hybrids? (laughs) (laughs) And how much will it cost when I want to buy one that has 75,000 miles on that? Right. What chance do I stand of warranting the battery? <laughs> I see how your mind is working. I know there mm-hmm. is a spot in your uh, in your new mm-hmm. house uh, garage. It would be perfect yeah. for that, right? So there um, is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe you can get a long term one of those. <laughs> I'm open. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to reach out and see if we can both get one. You're gonna want some crazy shade of blue. I'll want either red or atomic silver if it even exists. Then uh, I, I would actually just say like, oh, you know, instead of that, can I have the LM? Oh, God. Can I hang up now? I think it is time for us to hang up, but I hope it's not on a bad note. No, no, I'm just joking. Okay. Thanks, everybody. We're going to actually be back in two weeks. Pinky promise. And uh, we're going to start doing this uh, on the regular. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll see you in two weeks. All right. Take care. Bye.